You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. Hello there, everyone. Um, today, we are joined by Derek Snyder and his wife, Jane, from Ergot, Canada. Derek, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Great. It's lovely to have you on the show. And is Jane there too? Yes. Oh, great. Hi, Jane. I think this is the first Hi. time I've ever spoken to you. How are you doing? Great. How about you? Good. I'm really excited about the show today. So um, can you guys tell me a little bit about Ergot? Sure. Um, so uh, it was just almost four years ago that um, I guess I was searching for a similar group, which I started as a meetup.com group looking for people that were interested in discussing antiogens. And uh, so, yeah, Ergot stands for the Antiogenic Research Guild of Toronto. Um, so I came up with a sort of clever acronym. Okay. I couldn't find any anything else, so I decided to start my own uh, meetup group. And so now I've expanded it onto Facebook so that we can try and get in touch with more people. But. That's great. So just keep your mouth towards the microphone if you're doing speaker. Um, that's great. And and this was after you had um, your ayahuasca experience? Yes. And what does ERGOT stand for again? The Entheogenic Research Guild of Toronto. Perfect. And you guys have meetups and stuff like that. Anything else people should know who are listening? Um, yeah, mo- well, we have monthly meetings. We also have a website and online like discussion groups as well. But it, the most, I guess, primary thing is the monthly in-person discussion groups so that we provide a, like a safe place for people to get together. And okay, share. sorry, you have to speak more into the microphone wherever it's going. Sometimes you're moving right. and it's going uh, a little... We provide a safe there we go. space for people to get together and um, share their experiences or find out more information Great. about entheogens. Fantastic. And they can find you on Facebook, right? Yes, there's a Facebook um, page, Ergot Canada. There's also um, like a discussion private discussion groups as well. Okay. And how do people get involved there? Online? Um, yeah, on, uh, on the, from the Facebook page. Oh, okay, on the Facebook page. Great. Okay, so um, let's just launch right into it. What brought you to the medicine? What made you seek out ayahuasca? How did you first find out about it? Um, so I, I've been researching um, antigens probably and psychedelic medicines for you know, over 20 years. And um, like starting with uh, mushrooms and LSD. And then um, I guess it was through listening to like, Terrence McKenna talks that I got most interested in ayahuasca because it you know, was in a lot of his talks and discussions in his books. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it wasn't something that it could really... At that t- or well, when we at the time we went, really were able to find um, anywhere to sort of do it that didn't involve going to 
like a destination, like somewhere like South America or maybe Mexico or Costa Rica. So we wanted to go for the most, you know, origin of the authentic sure. experience. So we decided to go to Peru. It wasn't the only reason we wanted to go to Peru. Like we also wanted to see Machu Picchu and you know, other places, but we we wanted to include it as part of our experience. And this is you and your wife? That's right, yes. Okay, so you guys went together. That's great. Okay, so um, uh, it wasn't for any specific purpose. It was just to explore that experience? Sorry, can you repeat that? It it was just to explore the experience. You weren't experiencing depression or something. A lot of people go to the medicine because they, they want to resolve an issue in their life or address something. Um, but with you, it was just for exploration, or you just felt drawn to it? Um, well, I guess it was for, like, at that time, I was trying to become, um, you know, experience. like, I, I consider myself a hobbyist, <laughs> um, researcher of entheogens and psychedelics, and I guess um, psychoactives in general, just, um, you know, to be knowledgeable, um, I've been um, studying them, you know, as a hobby for, as I said, over over 20 years. So, right. Um, you know, I felt that I needed to <laughs> have that experience, you know, not necessarily for any specific healing purpose, but mm-hmm. just for, um, you know, and Jane- add it, you know, with that experience under my belt. Right. Okay. And Jane, how are you approaching that experience? Sorry, what was that again? I was asking Jane how she was um, thinking of it, approaching it. So for me, I was uh, I was quite apprehensive uh, because you know, from what I had seen and from what I had heard at different conferences, uh, I had heard a lot about uh, the ego death or the sensation of dying, and so I was uh, I was pretty freaked out. I was really uh, I was scared. Uh, and I didn't really like the idea of of purging uh, in a strange place with people I didn't know. And, yeah, so the whole thing was sort of a little unsettling for me at the outset. Right. But you were, did you feel drawn to it? Uh, did, is it something you were also excited about? And we all have our fears about that stuff, too, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I was more scared at the outset. I mean, now, uh, because of my experience... I'm excited about it and really, like, really respectful of the medicine. Mm-hmm. But going into it, uh, yeah, it was more, I was just along for the ride Yeah, like, at, the, at the outset. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, so go ahead and, and let me know how, how all of this unfolded. So you decided to go to Peru. Yep. So we, we went to, uh, to Pucallpa, uh, to this resort, this Medicine House, I guess you'd call it, uh, but it was run by this American who um, he he was just he wasn't really knowledgeable of uh, what some people were there for. He basically thought we were just there to see visions and you know have a good time, mm-hmm. and how anyone could think that about the medicine. <laughs> I, I don't know, um, but he uh, he set us up with this actually an incredible shaman, Leonardo, uh, who was actually uh, he was curing a woman's cancer while we were there. Wow. So it was 
just an unreal experience. Uh, for me, it's in my in my first night. Uh, my intention just was, I really don't want to purge. Oh my goodness! Wow, and, that's an interesting intention. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, I mean, I'm not. I'm not proud of that. But that was no. That's that was okay. What, uh, Honesty is best. <laughs> that was. It was my whole. Like, my whole idea. It was all I was thinking about. It was all. And uh, so she. She actually came to me, and she said, "If that's honestly your intention, then, um, then my, I, I'm. I will remain with you, and you. But you have to. You have to follow your true calling." She's a music is not your true calling. I was previously a, a classical musician. She wow. said making medicine is your calling and mm-hmm. you need to you need to start making herbal medicines. You need to start helping people in a different like, perhaps more profound way. Mm, wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That was your first night, huh? But well in it was actually over the course of two nights that, that unfolded to me. Okay. Um, during the first night, uh I actually had a, a visit from an ayahuasca demon, oh, okay. which was quite frightening. But he was, um, it was like a a test of a test of of me and my integrity. So he was trying to trying to actually trying to convince me that I should kill Derek, or trying to find out if I would, if I was offered the the right thing incentive. That's well, yeah. wow, and. So when I I just said no like no no not for that no no not for anything, at the end it was it, it was sort of this dun dun dun, dun you have passed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so strange. Oh my yeah, god, was, I've heard some pretty strange stories, but this is a first. Yeah, it was very very odd, and what was even more odd because like I said I was sort of at the outset I was just sort of along for the ride. Um, I, I didn't really, I wasn't familiar at all with the iconography. I wasn't familiar uh, with the, what different, uh, like, different players, different visions that are sort of common to to many people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what they, they looked like. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we returned to Lima, we went to a craft market, and everywhere we went, there were ski masks and pictures, and uh, all looked like this demon that I had seen. Wow, really? Of That's... course, Derek, being the wonderful guy he is, he said, yeah, maybe I should buy one of these to wear around the house. <laughs> uh, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because, um, well, it's not funny, but it, it does kind of remind me of the fact that all through all the stories I've heard, when people are going into their experience with fear, that tends to be when these kinds of figures show up. And for sure, yeah, it's and yeah. and I mean, it's it's hard to help our fears, you know, and it does address them eventually if you are willing to kind of open up and work and trust and all that. But it's it's very different than the way that that we approach life. It's like okay, if you're fearful, we count on or hope that people will try to make us feel better and less fearful. <laughs> but the medicine totally opposite. It's like everything is the opposite and upside down of us. And I think that ultimately they show us that we've got to change our ways a little bit, a lot, actually. For sure. <laughs> and even though uh, the the entity was a, a at that point was a frightening entity, it was still it was a very very positive experience. And during the experience, there was no point at which I was. I was truly scared. Like, it's almost like I knew 
I knew she was still there. Yeah. And that this was uh, somebody related, but not not her trying to scare me or trying to you know do something. It was like, okay, you have to pass through this obstacle course to get to the other side to get to the reward. You have to prove that you're you're worthy of this reward. That's so interesting. It's like it's really important to mention that as well because you know people speak about oh I saw this demon and it strikes terror in some people's hearts and yet there is this subtle quality to our experiences with the medicine where we do have a, a degree of knowing and when you don't share that other side of things where you knew the whole time that this was a test and you didn't feel like you were under threat, that that's really important. And sometimes people have reported to me, I saw a demon, and my very first question is, well, how did you feel, though? You know, Because sometimes yeah. we use that word and sometimes it's a an entity that under normal circumstances might look odd and frightening but you know the truth is there was more underlying that you know and it taps into this knowledge that we have and and this understanding and these feelings and it's really amazing it's like a superior exchange where words aren't always the thing it's the way that you feel you you have a knowing and you knew what that was about which is incredible right yeah it was was almost like because i never lost the feeling of her Mm -hmm. i always had this the safe, grandmotherly, like really loving, caring uh, presence of the medicine. Well, that's great. And um, what about you, Derek? What happened in your experience? Um, sorry, I said my ear coming. Um, <laughs> They're so exchanging notes there. It's like great. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, um, yeah, so we had the. I think we drank the medicine four times um, in Peru. So, yeah, I was a little, um, you know, concerned about the, I guess because originally we we thought that we were going to be part of, like, you know, more traditional ceremony in a larger group. And um, so the, the I guess, the, um, the guy that was arranging it was married to a shippable woman, and this was her uncle. So he was like, well, just do it at, like, our resort. And I use the term resort very loosely. But, um, <laughs> you know, I was in a hut, a run-down hut at this, you know, in this guy's backyard in a sort of, you know, um, you know almost like a third-world um, area of, uh, like, a suburban area. So, like, there were, there was a lot of distractions I wasn't expecting, like dogs barking all night long and roosters crowing and people driving around on three-wheel you know motorcycle transportation and so I, I was very concerned that this was going to really distract me from having a positive experience but I um, made the, the best of it and um, yeah for me it was very interesting because the first I guess the first drinking um, and I think it was tied to the like girls he was singing. So it was an authentic experience from the point of that we had a like an experienced shaman. He was singing Icaros. Um, you know, he was you know as Jane said, curing cancer for a relative. But um, I uh, like we were just sort of on, on the periphery there, you know, just being with him while he was doing this, you know, while drinking the medicine and. 
So listening to Igros, like I, I really got drawn into a, a sort of deep, um, you know, s- sadness of the earth, like and, and of actually that sort of area, like near the rainforest, that um, you know, it's sort of like I got this vision of you know there being rivers of mud and like the you know the animals and and um, you know wildlife in in the rainforest was or parts near the rainforest which have been like you know cut down and clear cut you know were you know were deprived of you know what they needed and were you know sick and unable to like you know find water and food and like this was you know what we were doing to the earth and wow. like, the earth was you know, weeping <laughs> and yeah it was really like moving and you know it made me <laughs> like crying for the you know, the earth. Right. And, um, and that, that was part of the purging. It was sort of, there was different purgings. Uh, there was, um, you know, that, you know, initial sadness. And then, um, later on, it, I was sort of purging out, you know, all my, I guess, um, mental and physical and, and you know, spiritual garbage and junk it was really interesting too because then further i guess you know they sort of get blended together but um and further experiences during those four days um like it was sort of like a weird review of all the stuff in my head as i was getting purged out so and it's just amazing all the junk you have in your head and when you're forced to sort of review it before you're tossing it out it's like yeah i think it sort of reminds you to avoid filling your head with that same sort of stuff in the future because it's it's all in there sort of like you know poisoning your brain in a way oh yeah i mean like violent tv and movies you know or you know excessive pornography and stuff like that it was all like that stuff was going through my head and i'm like oh enough like you know, this stuff is making me you sick. Know, feel sick. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's exactly and the message. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and I was like, boy, I need to like, you know, not watch you know, the, you know, the same stuff, or try and keep my head, you know, cleaner in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was part of it. Yeah. And that was over what two sessions? Um, well, I had a total of four sessions. Okay, so four, I, I call them that because it doesn't sound like there was very much ceremony going on. Did you get a chance to speak to the shaman? Um, no, he didn't speak English. Right. And we had some sort of, you know, broken, um, I guess, third, second-hand translation um, through um, the... Um, the son, like wife, uh, his, the sh- I'm not sure if it was actually the resort guy's son, but it was definitely his wife's son. It sounds a little and haphazard. He, he, spoke a, <laughs> he spoke a bit of English, so he was able to sort of pass some messages back and forth. Mm-hmm. And did you get any insights through that? Um, um, not, not too much. I think it was more we were just trying to convey like the... Um, you know what? You know that we were we had good intention and we we were taking it you know seriously. And I don't think at the beginning that 
uh, Leonardo, like the shaman, understood why we were there because I'm pretty sure the the guy who ran the resort was just like, hey, these guys want to have this experience, yeah. and you know, and and this is the thing, like for a real shaman that's like curing you know cancer and you know doing real work, it makes you know, it's inconceivable why, you know, someone would want to come along and, like, take the medicine. And because normally they don't usually give the medicine to the patient. They use the medicine for them sure. to, to do the healing work. Yeah. They might give, a, a you know, a smaller amount to a patient. But if someone came and, and they weren't sick at all, they're like, hey, I want to try your medicine. It'd be like, no way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's sort of like, you know, someone coming up to a doctor here and saying, hey, can I, you know, use your scalpel? I heard that you can, like, you know, cut people open and take out bad stuff. Like, I want to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, However, no, yeah. and that's true. Like, traditionally in um, in this ancient practice of medicine, which existed in every ancient culture all over the world, um, there was some form of connecting with higher consciousness, and usually it was, you know, a very specific person, a medicine woman or man, who would do this on behalf of other people. And whether they use plants or there's many other techniques, some kind of journeying, they would often do this on behalf of other people. But what's happening now with this medicine is I think that we're all realizing that there's a very that it has its own intentions <laughs> and that it's making its way around the world because we, we do need to change and we do need to change some things or else it won't exist anymore and neither will, as you know and as you experience through the medicine, a lot of the plant life that we that are just fundamental um, and imperative for life on earth to survive. So I, I think that the medicine is, is treating uh, the larger patient, which is humanity, <laughs> in a more direct way now. So yeah, everything's changing. It's the traditions, there's only so traditional you can get when you've got 30 or so or 40 westerners or, you know, people from all over the world taking the medicine at once. And and that's fine, you know, I have no problem with that, but your experience sounds rather unique and <laughs> but it's amazing you you had a really profound experience despite the fact that it wasn't in, you know, a setting that that was most comfortable for you. Um, yeah, I think in a way it was also almost like more authentic. Like it wasn't just some, um, you know, um, you know, ayahuasca retreat center that you know was doing it as some sort of act or show to give people, you know, what they want or what they're expecting. You know, they're expecting people to you know dress up in a certain way and everyone to sit together in a circle and you know shake rattles or whatever. So it feels like you know this is what you were paying for <laughs> and, you know, get to give the people what they want. But really, you know, I was, we were with someone privately sort of one-on-one -on -one, and even though he wasn't really, you know, treating us as if, you know, we were the patients, you know, we were just there, but we were connected with him doing real ayahuasca work. Like, as I said, like, you know, he's, you know, doing medicine for his family. Sure. But I, like I, it wasn't a show being put on for us in any way, shape, or form. All right. But, you know, I do want to mention that um, I have been to uh, retreat centers that um, that treat an, a large number of people, and we're all doing real work, too, and it's very real. And um, before I even got involved in medicines, when I first started to um, to engage in shamanism, 
um, the rattles are used, and I've used them, and it's not for show necessarily, you know. Um, well, I, I guess I, I phrased it wrong. I was meaning like, like to, from our initial, you know, you know, uh, you know, when we we're like, oh, wait a minute, we're we're not going to do this group thing. We're just sitting in this little, you know, rundown hut at this resort, thinking we weren't going to get an authentic. Right. When really, oh, it was sort, yeah. sort of more authentic. Not that it was superior, but I meant like it—it it wasn't just—it wasn't for us. It was like he was doing, you know, yeah, family medicine. We were observing yeah. a, you know, it's like observing a, a surgery from an observatory. Wow. Yeah. It's but a very it's unique practice, yeah. Yeah, it's a very unique way of experiencing it. But there's there's also an intimacy that happens between, you know, each individual and the medicine itself and that I mean, I've talked to people who've done it under so many different circumstances and what seems to be the, you know, overarching um shared experience is that, you know, they've had this this intimacy with the medicine itself that didn't care about what was going on around and it was all about this connecting very personally with the individual who was who was opening up to ayahuasca and and all sure. the, the very unique like, things that take place in in that that communion is is really quite amazing and it really doesn't matter who's wearing what you know yeah exactly like he wasn't he wasn't trying to impress us in any way in fact we could have been there or not been there as far as he was concerned Right, uh, but the medicine was still able to to speak clearly and to to work within us, even even though he was just doing his his private medicine work sure. with us in the in the room, basically. Yeah. So, did you have a sense of what was happening with this other person? I mean, did you find out what what happened? For sure. Um, so she had been to the states for diagnosis, and they had told her that her case was basically palliative. Uh, and so she came back to be, to do medicine work with Leonardo. And um, what, what we observed, he was over top of her and he was, um, he was at the side of the cancer and he was doing like, the very traditional breathing, you know, the... Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and the, so then he would, he would do that for a little while and then he would purge and he'd purge and he'd... Like he'd mess himself, and the women that were there would come, and they'd they'd clean him, and they'd take away his his uh, bucket to bring a new one. And this is and the shaman had, doing this on behalf of the woman he was treating. Exactly. Yes. And then they would anoint him with the with the the rose oil, mm-hmm. and then he'd go back and he'd do it again, and like, over the the process of the entire night he just kept doing it and doing it and what he was what he was purging was just this black tar it was so thick and terrible and but apparently she had been back to the states to have uh, to have the tumor reevaluated and so this had, afterwards after all yeah, of that after after some this was before we were there but after her initial diagnosis and her tumor had halved in size so it was half the size it was previously so she was coming back to do to do more medicine work in the hopes of curing her cancer mm-hmm. and so, what, what was the result we we don't know because uh we didn't have any of any contact with her after okay. the ceremony but 
it just so mind-blowingly amazing yes, to, to observe. Yeah, and this phenomenon of um, shamans um, doing purging on behalf of, um, of the person who is experiencing the medicine or going for healing, I, I've, I've witnessed that um, in Peru where I did the medicine which uh, with a large group. And uh, the Shipibo shamans would come and, and sing very individual ikaros for each person. And sometimes when um, the participant couldn't purge, the, I've seen shamans purge on their behalf. And, um, but it's amazing what you say about this black tar type, what was coming out, because I, I've heard stories of a lot of interesting things coming out and and this i mean this boggles the mind doesn't it for sure i mean scientists that, that would drive them crazy right how is exactly. that possible exactly. <laughs> and yet we see so many impossible things and experience so many impossible things with ayahuasca um but i'm really interested in in the dialogue you had with ayahuasca because um she said we'll we'll stay with you right for sure so uh so since that time um uh, uh, she comes to me in like, dreams and meditations or through prayer, uh, and I've been so given uh, recipes and who I'm supposed to give them to. And sometimes they'll have they'll have like, Eastern herbs and medicines that I have absolutely no knowledge <laughs> of, and and I'll, I'll wake up and Google this you know 47 letter long word. Like, does this even exist? And, oh, okay, yeah, okay, 100 grams of that is $10, and I can order it from this place. <laughs> okay, wow. And and yeah. the people that you give it to, you get good results? They're happy For sure, right? amazing results. So uh, they'll call and say, oh, thank you so much for that, you know, for that cream. It cleared up the rash that I had. I don't even know how you knew I had a rash, but mm-hmm. you know, thank you for that. Oh, don't thank me. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad because I I had a similar experience, right? And um, I don't know how you receive your messages with me. It's just kind of all day long and all night. But I do have the dream work, um, and I was given recipes for blends, for um, essential oil blends that people use. They dab on themselves. They use it to create intentions. But it's very unique for each individual. And with each individual... Um, I know the five oils that I'm supposed to use on them, and so it's really cool it's to hear. Yeah, someone else, and hey, so, you're the first person that I've met that that is uh, is similar. Yeah, That's really amazing. It is, and you know, I, I went through a lot of doubt, but you know, in the end, it's it's too amazing for you to ignore. But, exactly. But there's a choice in all of it. You know, we do have to to continue to choose to to work with the medicine, especially when it's with us in a really unique way. And for me, it's just been constant. So I don't know if, if you get this dialogue. Um, does she speak from the position of we? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's the, we need to do this, mm-hmm. or we should do, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I get this all day long. <laughs> or, you know, if, uh, if she doesn't like something, say, mm, that's not how we should do that. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, it's great. And so, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um how did the how did these uh these recipes come to you? You said through dreams and through 
So, uh, so I, I usually, if I have a question, particularly if I have a question, uh, I would pray about the question before I go to bed. Right. And then I'll receive the answer during my sleep. And so I have to, if I wake up, I have to right write away. down the recipe or... Right away. Yeah, right away, before I forget it, before it fades. Oh, yeah. I've had, like, intense things happen first thing in the morning and just as I'm going to bed. But with me, it's it's all day long. All day long, just back and forth and back and forth. And then sometimes it's I get a little confused and doubtful, and then I'm like, well, I'm not sure if this is my thought or if this is you expressing yourself. And so the remedy to that was, okay, well, take a pencil and paper and write down what I say. And don't plan what you're writing, just write what the words that come into your mind, because you'll know. And when I do that, it comes out in a way that it's hard to mistake it for me. <laughs> so, yeah, this, like, wise medicine voice comes through, and it's it's really quite amazing. But, um, Beautiful. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful to know that's going on. So, so have you moved away from music now, or do you still do that? Or well, I still teach uh, part-time, but, uh, but mostly I've moved on to... To my medicine work. And it's really amazing because you, you have no credentials in this, but you have like the best teacher that there is. Exactly. <laughs> That's that how I feel. It's like <laughs> Yes. And I mean, now I have so much knowledge about herbs because I mean once she gives me an herb then I'm like, well, you know, I've got a I've got a, a fact checker. I mean, like, even though I know I I don't need to, but I'm like, okay, no, because somebody's gonna ask me, you know, why did you put that in there? Right. And, and I have to know. You can't just be like, well, you know, ayahuasca told me in a dream because well, most people would think I was insane. Are they ingesting it? Um, mostly they're topical. Right. But I have made some some things for ingesting. So, yeah, all the stuff that I do is, is topical, but um, I don't have answers. Because it's essential oils, it's more like fragrant you know, mm-hmm. and yet even we know that once you put something on your skin, it, it goes through your system, right? So it does have an impact in that way. And there's all exactly. kinds of healing properties that are well known about these essential oils. But it's the specific blend that it's still a mystery to me. So I can't give them an explanation beyond what ayahuasca has told me. So it's sort of like, okay, well, why? You know, beyond the fact that we know chamomile is calms people or helps nausea or whatever, what about this unique combination and unique number of drops for each individual? And the response was uh, vibration and frequency. (laughs) It's like, okay, so it's not as specific as looking something specific up online and you get all this information. But I did end up doing research and finding out that there are people that actually, um, they, they have sophisticated machinery where they they um, are able to detect what somebody's um, vibrational level is at and and what their what essential oils might help to address that um, but this is done in a very different way it's all intuitive and yeah and and I I, I keep asking though I want to know more and um, another insight I got was the fact that when we're in nature, the reason why we feel so good is because our, you know, vibrational and free, free, 
frequency level adjusts according to what's around us, which with nature is the ultimate, right? It's, it's the healthiest exactly. way to be. And we come into harmony with that vibration and that frequency. And essential oils are this really potent version of that for those of us who don't get out in nature every day and have that experience. So this is a way for us to connect in that way. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's, that's the best that I can do <laughs> in explaining to people. But I, I have had, you know, those unique times where it's like, use sesame seed oil. It's like, really? Oh my God, I never thought of it. And I'd look it up and, oh yeah, that works well for that sort of thing. So <laughs> this is really cool. So have you, treat, have you treated your, your children with things that, you know, from for this For sure. Source? Yeah, I've treated my children. I've treated you know, friends and other members of my family. Uh, actually started a business out of it. Um, Ado's apothecary. So yeah, so work. I so I help out a lot of children and um, and babies. That's a great. My, that's so amazing. Stuff that I make. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So um, you obviously have this this really serious ongoing relationship with ayahuasca. How about you, Derek? How, what 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 changed afterwards for you? Um, I. I think the ayahuasca really helped me to, or, well, I don't know, help is the right word, um, to um, take these um, medicines a lot more um, seriously, but also, like, a different sort of respect and reverence for them, even more than before. Um, because I, like, I've I obtained a lot more respect for them over the years, but I, I don't. I'm not sure it was until my ayahuasca experiences that it felt like a much stronger connection to, I guess, plants in general. Like from a plant point of view, mm -hmm. I guess because originally my first experiences, um, well, my very first like life-changing experience was with LSD, and it's less thought of as related to a plant, even though it. You know, originates from you know ergot fungus, um, and ha you know, and it involves you know some you know semi synthesis from that into a mm -hmm. you know, it's changed in from its original molecule. Um, but then, uh, like I moved on to mushrooms, which are you know much more of a earthy. You, know, plant. <laughs> you don't you don't modify them; you just take them as is. And then um, with the with the ayahuasca, it was a far more like earthly, you know, Gaia connection and the interconnectedness of all that sort of, you know, plant life, especially, you know, the way, you know, vines sort of, you know, grow all around, twisting and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and spreading and, you know, interconnecting. Um, you know, that really. I don't know, just something about it, uh, you know, on a holistic level. Right. Um, really, you know, sort of gave me a stronger connection to, you know, the earth as, you know, a Gaian entity of its own. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, did you find that when you were in, cer well, in ceremony together or in the medicine together that there were any crossover experiences that sometimes happens with couples? Well, we, we had... Uh, one experience where um, I, I was kind of talking to him in my head, mm -hmm. and 
I, I don't know why I got this idea. Maybe I had uh, peeped in on some Terrence McKenna in the car at some point, or but I had this idea that maybe I could communicate with him in my head, and so I was trying to, and then I hadn't said a word with my mouth, and then he said to me, what? <laughs> Why are you bugging me? <laughs> this was while you were in the medicine? Yes, but he um, he was like, doing his own work, and he was really like, deep in, deep into himself, and so I was basically pastoring him, but I was just trying to, you know, make contact in my head, and I, I didn't know whether it would work or not, and he thought I was talking out loud, and yeah, so. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, okay, so I have to share something that happens with me and my son now that I have this presence and this constant connection. Um, Of course, I'm going to use it because for me, there's um, a heavy emphasis on um, something you pointed out, Derek, all this stuff in your head and how to overcome that, you know, on a regular basis. You know, now we're back and we're not in the jungle anymore and I've gotten like just full on integration, right? So every day it's like, do you see that happening? Okay, so here's what we're going to recommend on and on all day long. (laughs) So I'm working on my relationship with my son and uh, one night, and I do dream work like you, Jane, right? So, and I wake up in the night a lot and I'm, I'm fine with that as long as I get back to sleep, but... One time I was, I guess I had the intention of um, of connecting with my son in a way to, to help him so that, you know, to work on our relationship in some way. And the voice said, okay, well, then, you know, speak to him. <laughs> and all of this is in your head, right? And so I'm like, okay. And, and I've become quite adept at that now because I'm, the awareness is so heightened because this is happening with me all the time. I'm having this dialogue. So anyway, I start to reach out to my son in my mind. This is like three in the morning, right? He's down the hall in his own room. So I'm reaching out to him and suddenly I hear his door open, comes down the hall, comes into bed and he says, what? (laughs) I I said, what are you doing up? And he said, I couldn't hear you. And he just rolled in beside me and went to sleep. He was obviously sleepwalking, right? <laughs> he didn't remember any of this in the morning. But this kind of thing happens. And all the things that I've learned from ayahuasca tell us that, you know, even though in the medicine these incredible things are happening, really it's it's going on all the time. We're just not aware of it. For sure. So the thoughts that we have, they have tremendous impact, not only to us, but to others. So when you think... When you realize this, you, you start to pay more attention to the way that you think about others, um, the thoughts that come and go. And what if you said all of this out loud, basically? You know, mm-hmm. what, what if I was truly that open book where every thought about every individual <laughs> came screaming out of my <laughs> mouth, you know? And they're kind of asking me to hold myself to that standard um, to understand because I wanted to know. I was very curious about our interactions and how we connect with one another and what creates our reality. And and these are the things that they're teaching me about. So it's really amazing to hear that confirmed in the medicine where people are having these pronounced experiences of it. Um, For sure. Did it change your relationship in any way and your relationship with your children? Um, well, we didn't have children until after oh, okay. I took to Peru. Okay. Um, but I think... 
I think a shared experience like that, of having such a such a profound experience, having um, I mean, such a unique experience. We basically, for integration, we were all the other had right because yeah. because the the shaman really didn't mm-hmm. didn't they tried to help us at all right. Um, so I think in in that regard, it definitely definitely made us closer. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and I, like, I, I truly believe that um, these plants medicines do, you know, help people, um, you know, have better relationships in general with, like, not just, you know, with their partner or with their children, but I mean, I really think that they are, uh, you know, are profoundly able to make you um, see other people's perspectives. Right. So if it's your children and you're like, why is my child acting this way? Like, you know, if you were to, you know, reflect on it, you know, using a medicine that it would really be able to help put you in their shoes and understand, like, that person or especially people that aren't able to explain to you their feelings like your children like mm-hmm. to like put you in their shoes and understand oh you know this is why um, you know they're acting this way mm-hmm. you better connect like there there are lots of stories about this um, you know, it's sort of a taboo area because you know parents don't want to talk about you know about being a parent and using <laughs> plant medicines, but I, I've you know I've talked to people and you know read also a lot of accounts of people having these you know amazing sort of breakthroughs where you know they they took a medicine plant medicine and you know s- you know solved a, you know an ongoing problem that they were having with their child you know Absolutely. through understanding that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. I mean, my my relationship improves exponentially all the time because of my relationship with ayahuasca, and I get guidance on this all the time. And and I I can't believe I I don't know what I would actually do <laughs> without this guidance because it's just it's 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 been amazing and it's made me a better parent um, time and time again over and over. So this is one of the things that I think really need to change us having this judgmental idea of irresponsibility associated with um, with these kinds of um, psychedelics because clearly, you know, that idea is, is, is baseless, you know. I mean, sure, there are people who have addictions um, and there's people who have addictions to all kinds of things, not just psychedelics and when you're in an addicted state of mind, yeah, bad things happen, no matter what you're addicted to, and it's pretty well documented. Um, you have people with gambling issues that are pretty similar. I, I used to, I was married to um, someone who had a cocaine issue, and I was talking to the wife of, of someone who has a gambling issue and uh, addiction, and both of them had very similar qualities. So this is, it's, it's the addicted world. It's not to do with the psychedelics or whatever it is you choose to 
you know, become that obsessed about and, and starts to, to break down over, you know. So that association, I think we have to start to change and to see that addictions are addictions and there are sicknesses within the individual and we can't always attribute it to what it is they choose to be addicted over, you know. And then you have this wealth of information about people who are just growing and changing and becoming better, kinder, more in, insightful, gentle, you know, well-balanced individuals as a result of, of psychedelics. Why would we not want to do that, especially when we have um, a younger life that we're responsible for? Um, I think that's the ultimate responsibility. I, I went to the medicine because of depression, and I, I couldn't be the parent that I wanted to be for my son. And now um, it's it's quite the opposite. It's amazing. And, and he's one of my greatest teachers, along with ayahuasca. And I don't think I would have ever seen that without the medicines, you know? Right. And, uh, and the, like, the medicine, as I was saying, like, it, I really think it's, you know, most one of its most important things is that it is that connectedness that puts us in touch with everything, like, and like universally, like, like I was saying earlier, like more connectedness with the earth and the, the plants and you know other and other people, your family, your children, but the whole world, the every whole living universe. thing. Like the deeper you go into it, the more you feel that. You know, we are all connected. Right. And how powerful and like real that is. Like it's not just a cliche or something. That's right. And that you know, addictions and stuff sort of take you away from that. But you know, they're drawing you into yourself, like separating you from everyone else, and just focused. It's like pulling you into that one obsession, be mm -hmm. it a workaholic or an alcoholic, or right. using you know uh, an escape. Yeah, a drug that just escapes you from your problems or focused on that gambling or games people are, or their phones people mm -hmm. are addicted to everything sure. exactly <laughs> sugar things, they, <laughs> yeah they take you away from everything else and it's just you and that thing yeah the intimacy is now with this thing instead of with your life yourself you know and everybody around you yeah that's another thing is um well we know there's just mounting in, incredible evidence about um, how these um, entheogens are helping people to um, address their addictions. So I hope that that idea changes of parents being afraid to talk about it. I can see why that happens. I guess you, you've come across this a lot in your group in ERGOT. Well, it's just, you know, it's, it's obvious because, you know, these things aren't, in general, aren't you know, legal in most, you know, in Canada or sure. North America. Um, although, like, I'll, I'll be quick to point out, well, there are legal entheogens. Sure there are. Ibogas in Canada, in Canada, peyote is legal. Oh, I didn't most know that. Most people don't realize this. No, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy to obtain. It's very expensive. Or if you're growing your own, they take forever to grow. You've you got, like, a five to ten year investment time investment mm. um but it's legal and cannabis is set to be legal uh, in next july and like cannabis has a, a rich history as mm -hmm. a, you know an entheogen it, i don't i don't for me personally it's, it's nowhere near on par with you know like mushrooms or ayahuasca or things uh or more typically you know traditional psychedelics um but 
you know, it is for a lot of other people and a lot of other cultures. So that means starting next July, you know, there, there should be no problem, <laughs> you know, saying, yeah, I, you know, I use this <laughs> and it helps me out. be a better parent because, right. you know, it's not, it's not going to be illegal anymore, you know, to do that. Mm. And so there's that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's also like, it's time. It's way past time to, you know, like for, you know, every, everyone doing this to like come out of the closet because yeah. like no one, like how, how often do you hear someone getting, you know, their, you know, kids taken away because they, they said, Oh, I, I use this, you know, plant and it, it helped me be a better person. And, yeah. You know, and it's like happening it's a, all over. Like, yeah. Like Terrence McKenna has been saying that for decades, you know, and <laughs> well, died it's, like a long time ago. He's like, we have to, you know, he never got arrested for well, it's, it's legal. these talks or writing these books. Yeah, well, it's legal in other countries. So, I mean, a lot of the people that I'm talking to openly about it, and I talk about it, and we, we, you know, we talk about the fact that we have gone to Peru and we've experienced it there. There's nothing illegal about us leaving this country and experiencing the one thing that we don't have available to us here that can make us well. I mean, that's the ultimate responsibility. And, and this is a good theme for entheogens because my experience and so many other people's of these um, medicines have been, they're constantly asking us and helping us to take responsibility for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the opposite is true. It's one of these things, again, it, everything's backwards and upside down. <laughs> the, the very thing that people think is so irresponsible is, has helped me take much responsibility on a more a deeper level. Um, and a more profound level, and and it's really sure. amazing. Yeah. Yes, ayahuasca is really, um, in my experience anyway, um, she holds me accountable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There's something that she didn't agree with, or something that I did that she didn't like. She was like, "You did this and that. You need to like, really seriously reevaluate what you did in that situation." Oh yeah, you'll hear about it. <laughs> Exactly. I hear about it daily, but you know, I mean, and sometimes it's so subtle, but it's, it's, she started to help me to understand that all of this is very, um, it's, it's an education, you know, and eventually it's, it's, I've gotten to the point where my ego's not so terribly wounded anymore and I don't feel so terribly guilty anymore. It's like, we're just showing you the way. You've, you've asked for, you know, certain understanding and knowledge, and we're just, we're showing you. And in everyday life, just being human, <laughs> if we want to learn to move beyond the way that we are right now, which is generally speaking, we can tell because of epidemics all over the world of mental health issues, not the healthiest. If we want to move beyond that, we're going to have to hear about some things that we're doing that are not great, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's been the education of a lifetime. It's an amazing thing. Um, I'm really appreciative of it. And when I have a problem with it, I know that that's my ego getting in the way. So there we go. We can. We've got another thing that we can address. You know. And looking at it from that standpoint, it's helped a great deal. I, I wasn't that way at the beginning at all. <laughs> oh, it's a process for sure. sure. Oh yeah, it takes time, but it's it's really an amazing thing. And my son knows all about this. I mean, I have this relationship with my son because of it. I didn't have um, much of a relationship with him at all before I started experiencing the medicines. So 
Um, I, he knows how to pronounce ayahuasca. <laughs> he hears me talk about it all the time. I have this radio show. I do hypnotic ayahuasca. I, you know, I, it's very much a part of my life, the oils, all the rest of it. So, yeah, he's aware. And I'm sure that at some point he'll, he'll drop this in the wrong ear and, <laughs> and, and I'll hear about it. And I'll be happy to tell that story to whoever it is. And they may be open to it. They may not. We, we don't know. But how are things going to change unless we get out there and start to open up and say this is who I am, you know? Exactly. Educate. Yeah, and obviously it's a very big part of who you are too because, I mean, she's with you all the time as well. And For sure. How do you feel about telling that story? Oh, I, I love to tell my story. Uh, I guess I try to to make sure that the person that I'm speaking to is receptive, but sure. I perhaps should stop that and just just be more open to trying to educate people and show them that, that there is so much more out there than what we what we see with our eyes. Right. But, you know, I mean, I think that it's a valid point. Um, if it falls on deaf ears, it, it does. It's just, you know, not being attached to the outcome, I think, is the trick there. <laughs> exactly. Um, telling your story because it's really an amazing story and because it's something that helps you to uh, continue to reiterate and to, to confirm who you are and affirm, you know, that part of yourself and whether or not they accept it as truth or not, it really doesn't matter, you know. <clears throat> I, I had to learn that lesson as well because these are extraordinary things that we're talking about. <laughs> they, exactly. They, they, they bugger the imagination at times and unfortunately... I've realized that um, imagination is something that we've really killed over the years. Um, oh, for sure, by plugging into our devices, by you know. And yet, it's it's yeah. an extremely powerful, um, powerful tool that we can use. Um, I've actually um, I did a workshop for kids. <laughs> Speaking of children and um, and all of this, um, one of the tools that ayahuasca taught me. Um, to address those issues that you were talking about, Derek, all these things in your head, and, you know, not necessarily um, to do with the same subject matter, but, you know, anything that was um, impeding on my ability to, you know, be in a good state of mind. Um, and I was given some very specific instructions about, um, you know, how to use my imagination uh, to deal with that. And I thought, wow, for adults, this is really a challenging thing <laughs> to dust off our imagination and start to use it in some um, productive way, in some helpful way. But for kids, this would be a blast. This would be so easy for them. And how great would it be for kids to start to grow up with those tools, you know, and not have to learn it so many years later after such pain and anguish, you know. And so um, I connected with this really cool um, organization, and they were just starting out doing a, a free summer camp, and they invited me to come in and just give these workshops. And kids were really responsive, and it introduced them to the idea of observing their thoughts and doing something about those thoughts they didn't want to keep around, being aware of how that made them feel. And so there you go. I think we made a very good case for <laughs> entheogens plus children are not such a bad thing after all, as long as they're not ingesting them. <laughs> exactly. 
Anyway, I, I think we've come to the end of our time. I'm so glad um, you guys joined us today. I knew there was a reason I was so excited about this show. <laughs> and thank you so much for, um, for being so open um, about your stories and um, for, um, for creating our God and allowing people to, helping people come together to tell their stories as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was really great. All right, take care. I'm sure we'll be in touch again. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Bye.